The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so thrilled you're here. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a journey, not a destination. I am Sandy Scarlatta, America's happiness coach, author of Happiness Solved. I'm also a retired U.S. national and international figure skating coach. I have a gold medal in ice dancing. I've been a certified life coach since 2004, and I've been inspiring others to shift their mindset and choose happiness for over 20 years. I am so excited to share that my next book is coming out soon. I am a co-author in the fastest growing personal development book series in the world with Jim Lutz and Jim Britt. The really cool thing is that the foreword was written by the one and only Les Brown, and for my copies, I'm on the cover with him. If you would like a free copy when it's available, email me at sandy at sandyscarlotta.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I am so grateful for you. Walt, hello there. It's so great to see you again. How's everything going? Thank you. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm, I'm doing well. Um, like we were talking about before we got started, I've, I've been dealing with some stress, but I'm really grateful to have all the different tools I've learned over the years doing my podcast and talking to people like you. They really pay off when you have that kind of tool set going on. Doesn't it? And I, yeah. and I feel like for me, I love talking to people. And even though, you know, you and I both, we've been on this journey for many, many years, mm-hmm. but you can always learn things from other people. Oh, all the time. Right? All the time. And I love that because I'm like, wow, I never thought of it like that. I mean, there's just, there's so much information out there. And, and I learned so much from my guests that I, I just can't imagine not doing something like this. But, it, it's yeah. one of my favorite things is getting the different perspectives. Because you yeah. know how it is. You have so many guests who come in and they all have a different perspective. They, they're, they're talking very much about the same kinds of things from you know, different you know, viewpoints, different right. fields and so forth. But basically the same kinds of things. But they look at it differently and they yeah. think about it differently. And that's the cool part. That's where you really learn. Because that's like learning between the scenes, so to speak. Right. Oh, my gosh. I know. I mean, I can just think of so many examples that pop in my head. Um, but but now it is kind of, you know, this will be, I was telling you, this will be released somewhere, you know, early November. Right now we're at the, you know, mid, mid-September mid mark. And mm-hmm. um, like for me personally, heading up to September 30th is a hard day for me because I have PTSD 
from when my brother died and he died on September 30th. And I don't always recognize it. And it wasn't until Monday of this week that I thought, what's going on with me? Like, I just yeah. felt like I was in a funk. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what's what's wrong? And then I was like, and I know that's the, the last thing I would ever tell anybody. I would never recommend you never say to yourself, what's wrong with me? Because your brain is going to come up with a million different things that, that'll tell you what's wrong with you. <laughs> I feel like I'm in, I'm in a little different situation just because of the work that I do. And I don't allow myself to go down that rabbit hole. But then it was like, oh my gosh, we're heading towards mid-September. September 30th is a hard day for me. And even though it's been over 40 years, it's still just as hard, you know, it, because sure. the trauma that I experienced is in my muscles. You know, it's like muscle memory. And like, you remember yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and of course, so, on the yeah. flip side, you also have the fact that it, when you are feeling something that doesn't feel good, you do have to acknowledge it. You, I mean, you can't right. bury it, right? You got to bring it out. You got to feel it through, you know? So, yeah, you don't want to spend a lot of time uh, focusing on it. I, I like the way Abraham Hicks says it, you know, give it 14 seconds or less, you're fine. It's only after right. that that you start manifesting things, you know? So, hey, anybody can spend 14 seconds. That's fine. You know, no big right. deal. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's, it's crazy times. We've been, we've been in crazy times for a few years now. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's been, it's been an interesting time. I think the whole pandemic thing for sure is, is the top of the chart, but it's not just that there's been a bunch of stuff. And I, I know speaking for myself, I, this is where I'm really grateful to have learned all these tools from guests on my show and, and people like you is that as the stuff was happening, I actually had to remind myself that some of it was happening because I was doing so much work on myself and, and continuing to you know build momentum in the directions that I wanted to build it in that I would forget about major things going on. I, I remember doing one episode. This was a, like halfway through the first year of the pandemic. And yeah, the pandemic was still on my mind, but only slightly. I, I pretty much, I mean, most people were, were still in panic mode about the whole thing. I pretty much put right. it all behind me at that point which was kind of out of sync with the rest of the population. But what I was not at all tuned into, what was what was going on politically? Because it was a big political year here in the U.S. That's right. And I was tuned out from all that. I mean, literally, I wasn't paying attention. To, I was reminded of it during a, uh, a podcast episode. And it was like, oh, that's right. People are freaking out about this stuff. And I wasn't even paying attention to it. Well, I'm so, like that most of the time. Yeah. But, but that's the, the, the point is, that's what the yeah. value of the tools is. That right. value is tremendous because it takes you away. From, even when there's all this crazy stuff going on, it takes your mind off of it so effectively that you don't even notice. It's well, not even there. The you know, I mean, there's there's a there's a line there which I I kind of tell myself like you want to be informed, right? Yeah. And you want to know what's going on. Um, here's a perfect example because I generally do not watch the news. Queen Elizabeth just died. Yeah. Yeah. And. Funny thing is I grew up telling people I'm half German, half Scottish. Mm, okay. Turns out with my DNA, I'm like 90% English. <laughs> <laughs> There's zero German in there, right? And so I'm Scottish English, which is all, you know, kind of the same thing. Sure, part of the UK. And so I've actually been sitting there for periods of time watching it because this is like, Wow. Like, I remember my grandmother, because my grandmother came to the United States from England when she was a child. And, you know, so like for that, it's been really fascinating for me to learn and and to watch this take place. Because I'm like, that's 
that's like my ethnicity. Like, you know, as an American, right? Like, I'm an American. I don't say I'm Scottish American or English American or whatever, right? Because I'm, I'm third, I mean, on my father's side, they've been here since the Civil War. But you know what I mean? Like, so, so you don't really think of that, like of me having a heritage. But when something like that happens, I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. But if it wasn't for something like that, I don't even watch, I never watch the news. <laughs> because you. You, what can you do to control it, right? Well, you, you can't control the news. What you can control is your response to it. Right. Because that's, that's true for anything in life, right? No matter what it is that happens, especially for the stuff that you don't like. You know that you're against or you're frustrated with or angry at or whatever you can't control the event itself but you can control how you decide you're going to respond to it and that exactly. takes some learning that's not easy oh. you know it's not like okay i'm just going to go change my attitude right now no 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 no, no. you got a whole background of, of tapes playing and experiences and childhood brought up uh, to think this way and that and you got all that stuff to deal with to get through first but it can right. be done and when you do right. Oh, wow. That's where you discovered just how powerful a creator you really are, because that's when yeah. you create your own universe. For sure. Because a thousand percent of the time, when something happens, your first reaction is going to be emotional. Right. And so as long once you're aware of that, you're like, okay, I've, I've responded with my emotion. Now let's really think about this. And, and that's a big deal. I mean, I'll speak for myself. For years, I did not think we lived in an emotional universe. Yeah. I really did not think emotions were that important. I had no wow. idea that the entire universe was driven by thought and emotion. It was not part of my, my awareness at all. I, I thought everything was supposed to be logical and rational. That's okay. what I was taught. That's how I was brought up to think that way. You know, so for years, I didn't realize that that was actually the way things worked. And it took me a while because... It, it, it takes a while to accumulate the evidence that shows you that the track you're on isn't working. Right. Took, I, I, in my case, I'd say it probably took me, I'm going to say, 20, 25 years worth of evidence yeah. that I had to pile up before I finally began to realize, you know what? This stuff that I'm taught, that I've been taught since I was a kid, doesn't work. They're lying to me. They weren't lying deliberately, but they lied. This is not the way it actually works. <laughs> So real quick, I used to be a procrastinator and I was not happy about it. But for months now, I have been using this amazing little elixir called Magic Mind that helps me to stay focused and stay on track with everything I have going on without any jitters or crashes. It helps me to go from being in my zone of excellence to thriving in my zone of genius. Magic Mind comes in individual small bottles, kind of like a shot. Each one contains a magical combination of 12 active ingredients to make it the world's first productivity drink. These combined ingredients will help you keep going and stay focused, decreases stress and inflammation in the body, improves blood flow and cognition, and has immune support. If you're like me, I totally recommend you go check them out at www.magicmind.co slash happiness and join a community of go-getters. You can also use my discount code happiness to get 40% off your first subscription. My 40% off code only lasts for 10 days, so check them out right away. That's www.magicmind.co slash happiness. The link and the code will also be in the show notes. Now back to today's interview. Well, that's a great segue because I want to hear your story. I was a guest on your podcast and oh. you got to hear all about mine. I want to hear your story, Walt. And 
how did you get to the point where you even realized that you needed this evidence? <laughs> right? I, I think the operative word is painfully. Painfully. Okay, there you <laughs> go. That's probably true for most people, right? You, you go through pain in order to get there. Um, well, I, I was born in the late 1950s, so I'm part, late part of the baby boomer um, generation. And I grew up with all the attitudes that baby boomers and the predecessor generations taught and believed in and so forth. Um, so I grew up in the 60s and, and early 70s. That was my, my uh, teenage years and so forth. And or, you know, late childhood, early teens was in that range. And that was a time of tumult. It was a time of tremendous change. It was a time of great confusion. And that word confusion really became the byword of my entire childhood. Mm. I was confused about everything. Nothing really? made sense to me. Nothing at all. Family didn't make sense. Not that I had a bad family. I didn't. But family didn't make sense. Society didn't make sense. I didn't have any idea what all this, this racism stuff was all about. I had no clue. I heard there was this really bad war in Vietnam. I didn't know anything about that. There was all this chaos and crisis going on in Washington, D.C. I didn't know anything of what that was all about. I was trying to learn. I was trying to absorb it. And I would get the facts. I could put the facts in order. But it still didn't make any sense. None of it made any sense to me. Yeah. It, and that condition held true through my uh, education years, into college, out of college, into my 20s, into my early 30s. I mean, I was piecing stuff together. I was trying to make sense out of it. I was trying, you know, like anybody else, I would make some progress and other stuff wouldn't work and so forth. But on the whole, everything, um, adults, work and livelihood, uh, male and female, uh, you name it, anything that that is important to somebody, particularly in their early years, I didn't really get any of it. None of it made any sense to me. Mm -hmm. So I just did what anybody else would do. I just did what I was taught to do. I had I had no other plan. I, and you didn't if question. you don't make any sense about anything, what do you do? Well, your parents told you to do this. Okay, do what the parents said. Your, your teachers there told you to no, do what the teachers There's no other choice. And, and there's no, who do you question and, and what questions are there if it, nothing yeah, makes exactly, sense? Exactly, exactly. Right. That, that was actually the one of the good things that happened with me growing up. My father was an outstanding question asker. Outstanding. Okay. This, this man, I, we, we did a number of family trips, camping trips across the country here in the U.S. So I got to see most of the country by the time I was like 14, which was really, really cool. But, of course, we're doing this in late 60s, early 70s, mid 70s. Camping had just kind of become a thing. And you're dealing with transportation from that era, which meant you're doing a lot of time driving from one destination to, to the next, and then all of a sudden you have a breakdown, you have to go to a mechanic to fix something. That, that was the nature of the, of the beast at that time. And my dad, oh, he, he was amazing. He would, we, we would uh, end up in a town where we had, like, you know, there was a, I don't know, there, there was a hole in, in an exhaust or something like that. And he would find a mechanic. First of all, he'd ask around. He'd like go into the nearest pub or whatever to find out, you know, where's the best mechanic around. He'd go find where the best mechanic was, get us there, and then he'd spend the next 20 minutes grilling the guy, absolutely grilling him with every single angle of what could possibly be wrong with the thing that was causing us the issue. By the time he was done, the mechanic was willing to give him anything he wanted to get him out of there. <laughs> But he was so good, at, and he was so he was nice about it too. My my dad was That's a very awesome. friendly, gregarious man, so you couldn't get mad at him, but you couldn't shut him up. <laughs> and, 
it, it was a great role model to have later on from when I became a podcast host, because all I had to do was remember the kinds of things my dad would do in terms of what kinds of questions he would ask. Why would he ask them? When would he ask them? You know, all those things, I, I kind of gelled it together and it became really easy for me later on. So that was one of the good things that happened. I learned very early on how to ask questions. And I think to, to the point of your question, what, you know, how did I get to the point where I started questioning and learning this stuff? It's because I learned how to ask questions. Yeah. And that, that I learned very early. And I had to ask a lot of them. I had to ask a lot of them outside of myself before I finally realized I had to ask them inside. So that's probably what stretched out the whole learning process. But nevertheless, I did learn how to ask the questions. And it has served me really well to this day. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, um, for sure. In terms of the when I actually um, made the change, when I started experiencing the severe pain, um, I knew that I didn't want to do what my dad had done. My dad worked for one company, General Electric Company, for 44 years, his entire career. Where? That's, that's what was done in that generation. Where was it located? Um, I grew up in Schenectady, New York. It, it was actually the home of the largest General Electric plant for many, many years. And up until, I would say, about 25 years ago, that, that continued to be true. And so um, many, many people who worked at General Electric would work there. And my dad grew up there. He worked in Schenectady for most of his career. He ended up getting transferred to Bridgeport, Connecticut um, later on in his career, like in the last five to 10 years of his career before he retired. But my point is, he worked for one company all of his life. And I knew I couldn't do that. I didn't know what I could do. I had no clear idea what I could do. That was part of the confusion that I talked about earlier. I really had no idea what I was going to do. I mean, I did well in school and so forth, but I mean, I just had, I had no good guidance. I had no good ideas. I, I just didn't get any of it. I had, I had nothing going in that direction. But I knew that I did not want to do what my dad did. I did not want to work in a job all my life. So mm -hmm. I did something that kind of broke the mold in my family. I became entrepreneurial at a fairly young age with a lot of failures, I might add. I had my first success in the mid-90s because I had an aptitude for computers. I had actually kind of developed computer careers starting around 1980. So I had a number of years where I had, I, I was like one of those those few people who knew how to use a computer back in the day, right? And so my I husband's the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So by the time the mid-90s came around, we had the internet starting to, to get going. That started 90, 91, 92. Um, and I had some knowledge about how to program it and all that kind of thing. So I built myself a website where I was selling long distance services. And that also is archaic for people who are dealing with modern cell phone plans. Wow, but you, you actually were really have to, a have pioneer. Long, there was a time you had to buy long distance service. You had to pay for right. it per minute. You know? What a pioneer you were. Wow. Kind of, yeah. Um, I also learned how to get burned a lot of different ways doing that business. Um, I, I got completely ripped off a number of times. I, if I'd ever gotten paid for what I actually did, I'd be I'd be wealthy today. But <laughs> I didn't get paid for what I did. I got paid for a fraction of what I did. Um, that's another story. Um, but the point is, that was my first success. Meanwhile, I was working in the IT field. And come the uh, year 2000, uh, turn of the millennium and so forth, I was getting kind of tired of that. And I, I want, I'd been doing the um, entrepreneurial stuff part-time you know, on the side. I wanted to get to the point where I could just flip that around and do that full-time. And I ended up making that shift in 2002. And I was basically just doing like website design. That was the thing to do at that point. Website design and SEO, that was the other thing. And I, I really refused to do SEO. Everybody else was doing it. I wouldn't do it. It just went against my grain. Um, but that was my field. 
And I ended up gaining my clientele from uh, non nonprofit organizations, little ones, not you know, not the American Red Cross, but you know, like Joe Blow's nonprofit in in East Oshkosh, whatever, you know, that kind of of, of level. And it was it was fine. I wasn't I wasn't making a fortune. I was supporting us. You know, I was getting enough money to to pay the bills and so forth. And then along comes 2008 and the financial crisis. And a funny thing happens during a financial crisis. Nobody gives money to nonprofit organizations anymore. So all of my clients disappeared in a puff of smoke. Wow. And my wife had started a business. By the way, this is a story all by itself because she was not entrepreneurial and she became entrepreneurial partly because of my influence. She had started a gardening business. And the gardening business, same deal. Nobody pays. Gardening is a, is a luxury. You don't pay for gardening in the middle of a financial crisis. So both of our incomes disappeared instantly. Oh, my gosh. Which was terrifying. That is terrifying. And the next four years, now around that same time was the first time I saw the movie The Secret about the law of attraction. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, had, I w had been aware of positive thinking. I had not heard the term law of attraction. I had been aware of positive thinking as far back as the early 1980s. I actually had one of the original Tony Robbins courses um, on cassette tape. That showed you how far right. back it was. Yep. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I had read Napoleon Hill. I thought his book was nonsense. I didn't. I couldn't make any sense out of it. I, it, it, it sounded like a bunch of spiritual woo-woo, and I couldn't buy into any of it. But I'd read it. I was aware of it, you know. And then I see the secret, and the secret starts to make some more sense than it had made previously, than the whole topic it made previously. But I still didn't quite get it. Meanwhile, we're in the the financial crisis. Business has fallen apart completely. I'm trying to build rebuild from scratch on the fly. We're going deeper and deeper in debt. Our savings is disappearing like crazy. Um, by the time four years later had come, we were in really serious trouble, really, really serious financial trouble. Wow. And I didn't know what to do about it because I'd done everything that I'd been taught to do. What I'd been taught to do growing up in school and so forth is exactly what I'd done. And not only had it not turned me into a success, it had put me on the brink of bankruptcy. Mm. And I didn't know what to do about it. All I could think of was, well, there was that movie, The Secret. Maybe there's something to it but I don't know what it is. And I don't have any money to go hire a coach to teach me because I'm broke. I got nothing. I am deep in debt, right? So there's no thing I, I can't even go. This is the way I like to tell this. I couldn't even afford to buy a self-help book. That's how bad it was. I mean, wow. we were scared to spend money on anything because it was always, right. do I have enough money to pay the rent? Do I have enough money to buy the groceries? It was that. In mm. fact, uh, two years, uh, th that was 2012. By 2014, two years after I started the podcast, we ended up making a move back to Connecticut. We were in Virginia at that point. And uh, we were originally from the New England area. My wife begged me to move back. I said, okay, I'm willing, but it's going to use up all of our savings, and I have no idea how we're going to pay for it. She says, yeah, I know, but we'll just, we'll just kind of wing it. And so we did. Um, but during that two-year period leading up to it, I started the podcast with the hope, well, maybe I can get somebody to come on as a guest and teach me this stuff. And I don't have to pay him a fee because he's a guest on my podcast. And that's <laughs> how I started LOA Today. That became the chance for that program. <laughs> And by the way, uh, speaking of anniversaries, the 10th anniversary of starting that podcast comes up later this month. We're in uh, September 14th. It comes up in 12 days. So 12 days oh, from now, we're we'll celebrating my 10th anniversary. That's such a huge accomplishment because I told you I had a blog talk radio show mm. from 2008 to 2010. Yeah. Uh, so funny. you can. It's still out there because, um, you know, it never goes away. And, um, and I stopped it, I don't know, just out of boredom. And then I, I went through a divorce and all of that stuff. 
And I was looking at you at your at your bio and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's been doing this for 10 years. Like that's incredible. It's a <laughs> well, long you, time. You know what it's happened? A long time. I, I mean, I'm serious when I said I did it because I was trying to get free coaching because I didn't know how else to get the coaching. And it worked. I got some really great people, especially early on, to, to teach me stuff, not I just about that. the law of attraction, but other things in life. I mean, I, I learned a lot from my guests, but I got something else I did not expect. I loved it. <laughs> I wasn't planning on that. I thought I'd do like, you know, 100 episodes. I'd learn what I need to do, move on with my life. Oh, no, no, no. This was, an, this was like the best addiction I'd ever run into because I became totally addicted and I didn't have to go dry out in Arizona. I mean, th th you didn't have to recover from this kind of addiction. And, right. and I, couldn't get, I couldn't wait for the next episode and then the next one. At that point, I was only doing it once a week. It got to the point after about um, four years that once a week wasn't enough. I, I started doing it every day. That's how much of an addiction it was. Wow. So, so how thank many you episodes? for, for uh, congratulating me on doing it for 10 years. But I got to tell you, it was the easiest damn 10 years I've ever had. Because <laughs> oh. I loved That's it so amazing. much. And you know what? And that's that's the best thing ever that we could possibly imagine for ourselves is yeah. to find something that you can do yeah. and you want to do it every single day. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I'm doing my, my regular episode a couple hours after we do this one. And no big deal. For some people, that would be overkill. Yeah. For me, it's like, yeah, okay. What's next? Let's do it. <laughs> that, well, it I mean, I'm the same way for me. I only record, it depends on the week, two to three episodes. I only release two a week. For me, I can't, I because I have so many other things that I do, mm -hmm. I I have to be careful. I tried releasing three episodes a week and it became too much for me. So I scaled yeah. back to two. So two seems to be for now, like the sweet spot for me. That's great. But I love talking to people and it's not, this isn't work. This is like, yeah. just it's just fun having a conversation, you know? In fact, I have deliberately not made it work. I, I've actually talked to many people over the years. I've got a meeting coming up on Thursday toward the same uh, topic. You know, how do you how, how how do you make money doing this kind of thing? And I've I've gotten probably every idea that you can possibly get. And I realized I really don't want to do that. I don't want to make my money this way because I don't want to spoil this. Yeah. You know how it is if you have something that you really love and then you turn it into a business, all of a sudden it's a business rather than a love. I don't want to go there. Yeah. I want to stay with just the love of it. That's awesome. Well, I mean, we, we have learned, especially if those of us who, who learned about law of attraction, we've learned the value of maintaining a high vibration of that, which means being in a very yes. high feeling, good feeling place. Well, when you've got something that works, why would you want to spoil that? That's the way right. I look at it. You're, you're absolutely right. But I want to, we, we've already taken up a lot of your time. I don't want to go too far over because my <laughs> listeners know that these are about 20, 30 minutes, but I want to talk about the law of attraction because sure. that's your thing. So, so if there was just one or two things that people need to know about the law of attraction, like, what would you say? Cause I, there's so, I mean, we could talk for hours about it. There's it's so, there's so much involved when it comes to it, but, but can you like, just dumb it down for people and like, like what, what yeah. would you say is the most important things that people need to know about the law of attraction? I'll tell you how I've come, how I come to understand it, how I've come to make it make sense in my own life. Most people, they look at law of attraction as a way to you know, attract cool things into their lives. And, and that's fine. That's, that's a perfectly legitimate way of looking at it. The way I look at it is the law of attraction is a way of understanding how our lives tend to go. 
So whatever we give the predominant uh, amount of our attention to on a regular basis throughout our day, particularly, well, regardless of, of whether it's stuff that we feel good about or feel bad about, just the fact that we give attention to it, that's going to be the same kind of thing is going to be what we continue to experience in our lives. So like uh, I like to do podcasts. The more that I do podcasts, the more opportunities I'm going to have come to me to talk on other people's kind podcasts or just have a conversation about law of attraction or, or just have conversations about you know the kinds of people who have influenced you in your life. You, that, you, that's what you tend to get more of. You tend to get right. more stuff, more experiences, more, more life experiences related to what you give your attention to. And it works both with the positive and the negative. So we, we'd mentioned news before, right? So if you're a news junkie and you're watching Fox News all the time and you're picking up all the stuff that Fox News gives you, guess what? Your life is going to be filled with more and more stuff like what Fox News shows you. That's right. That's uh, it, it doesn't matter what – if that's for per, perhaps somebody who's more conservative. If it's more liberal, maybe you're listening to CNN. Maybe you're a CNN right. viewer. It's the same principle. I was gonna, the more just and more that, that you pay attention to CNN, the more and more yeah. CNN-type stuff is going to happen in your life. That's right. It doesn't matter what network you're watching. No, it doesn't. No. You're just going to keep bringing that back in. And if you want to watch the Disney Network, guess what? <laughs> it's just going to, you're going to get more of a Disney kind of an experience. It, it really just comes down to where are you giving your attention? And not just where are you giving your attention passively, because obviously watching TV, that's a more passive activity. It's also involved with what you do for work. What's your social life like? When you interact with people who are close to you, how do you interact? What do you talk about? What do you think about? What do you share stories about? How much do you beat yourself up? How much do you beat up famous people? How much do you, all this stuff, that 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 accumulation of, of experience that you live day by day is what you're going to attract more of in some form. And it, when you can come to grips with that, it, that takes a lot to do, by the way. That takes a lot to come to grips with. But when you can come to grips with that, then you finally begin to grasp that your life really is within your control. You just have to know where the steering wheel is. And the steering wheel is your attention. Yeah. You brought up an interesting thing where you're, you said, how often do you beat up celebrities? Yes. <laughs> and I think that that is something that so many people feel that they're entitled to. And that, well, if you're a celebrity, then then you're open to criticism. And it's like, no, no, it's not. It's not okay. Because at the end of the day, they're another human being. And um, I recently had a conversation with a couple of people about that because they, they placed a judgment on, I was listening to a podcast and I mentioned the person who was a guest. Oh, well, that person is, you know, da, 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 da. And I'm like, really? I'm like, so, so you're placing judgment and you're saying that he's a bad person just because of his political affiliation or that he was wearing a t-shirt with a, with someone's name on it. I'm like, I'm like, that's not, yeah, but there are celebrities. I'm like, doesn't matter. It, know, it, doesn't actually, matter. it doesn't even matter whether or not you're saying it because they're a celebrity. What matters matter. is what vibration are you putting out by doing it in the first place? Exactly. It doesn't actually affect the celebrity. No, of course not. It doesn't affect them at all. It's affecting you. It affects it's you. Your, it's yeah. you. And similarly, yeah. if you are the celebrity, how many celebrities do we hear about? There's a smaller percentage of them, but they're significant, who are constantly complaining about they're being followed by the paparazzi. They can't get enough privacy and so forth. And those are the ones who have the least privacy in their lives. 
Why? Because they believe that they can't get away from the paparazzi and they can't get away from the people who want to steal a piece of their lives. So they manifest more of it. That's right. <laughs> so it, it, it really isn't the other guy. That's the thing that we have to kind of learn. It, you know the old adage about when you point your finger at somebody, you got three fingers pointing back at you? It's yep. so true. It's yes. true in how your life goes. The more yes. you point a finger on any subject at anybody else, guaranteed it's going to come back to you threefold. Guaranteed. Yes, for sure. I love that. That is, that's one of the biggest things that, that I use. It was probably one of the first tools I picked up. Mm. When it's I, huge. It's huge. That, that whole pointing the yeah. finger at somebody. And yeah, that was one of my first tools that I will never forget. It, it takes a long time, I think, for some of us. I won't say it's true for everybody, but I know it was for me. It takes a long time to recognize the pattern of evidence. Yes. Because we get caught up in a mindset that, like, uh, like in my own case, I was caught in a mindset that I had been taught pretty much from birth by family, by friends, by teachers, by everybody who was an influence in my life. And I had to get out of that mindset and, and basically recognize that that mindset was bringing me stuff I didn't want. That's not easy. Mm -mm. That takes some doing. You have to get, be willing to get past that. Once you get past that, then all of a sudden life opens up. Then all kinds yeah. of possibilities open. And I think it really comes down to being able to be like we, we talked about in the beginning, you know, aware of how you're reacting, but then are you able to shift your perception? Mm -hmm. Because that, you know, the more, the more and more I, I talk about this, I mean, you know, I wrote my book, it was released in um, 2021, finished mm -hmm. it in January, 2020. And it's like, you're never finished when you write a book. Like, yeah, it's never done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause now I'm like, 45 oh, minutes I I later. I'm not sure if I got this thing done yet. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, you know, like I like I want to like update it now because now it's like, well, everything is that I wrote about is still true and holds sure. true today. There's just so much more. There's yeah. so much more. You know. I, I think as an author, one of the things that you realize is that eventually you have to come to terms with it. The, especially with the first book that you wrote, it's going to reach the point where you realize it's outdated. Yeah. So how are you going to respond to that? Some people choose to respond by updating it, you know, coming up with the second, mm -hmm. third, fourth, fifth editions. Other people choose to say, you know what? I'm going to leave that one as it is. I'm going to start my next one. But the point is you have to come to terms with it one way or another. And until you yeah. do, all it does is haunt you. That's right. <laughs> as, as usual. What are you giving your attention to? There. Well, here we go. You know? <laughs> exactly. Well, Walt, this has been such a treat for me today. Thank you so much. And is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to share with the audience before we go? Oh, good grief. Um, well, just first of all, thank you for having me on your show. It, this course. has been a great return engagement because you were on my show uh, on LOA Today. Uh, anyone who wants to check out LOA Today, I'm on all the, the same uh, podcast platforms as Sandy's on. So just search for LOA Today. You'll find it. But uh, this has been great. I've, I've loved it as much as having you on my show. With oh, you, me, and, and, and I think you did with, with Neo. Was Debbie there? Yeah, I can't remember. It was with Debbie Neo. was there too. Yeah. yeah. It so, was great. I mean, it was, it was such great. a great time. Then. Yeah. Yeah. And here we thank get to do it again. So much. So, yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And by the way, thank you for, I, I, I'm making this a point to do this regularly. I want to do this on your show too. Thank you for, on behalf of the people who you've never met, you've never seen, many of them are your listeners, who you've influenced in your life, but you'll never see the results of it. On their behalf, thank you for what you do, because what you do is very important. Thank you. Same to you. 
Thank you. Likewise, my friend. <laughs>